This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Myers gets a shot off the right wing, tipped in front. They score. Alex Chason at the top of the crease. Connor Garland drove the net as well. It's going to be Garland's goal, and the Canucks tie the game at two. The time of the goal is brought to you by Crow McKay. Western Canada's trusted accountants, but here come the Flames the other way. They've got the lead right back. As right in front of the goal, a rebound is tipped home. I think it was Brett Ritchie that got a touch on this. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Dubé, close play, might have been offside. Dubé down the right wing with a backhander, he scores! Now the Flames fight into the net, right off the draw, they score again! On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks on the brink of elimination after dropping a 7-6-3 decision. 7-6-3. Almost gave an extra goal to the Calgary Flames. 6-3 decision in Calgary against the Flames and... The Canucks in a very precarious situation, as we knew already after losing um, the other night in Minnesota, but even more so now after regulation loss with the Dallas Stars winning, the Kings on the verge of winning. So what this kind of tells you is the Canucks' tragic number is one more point. Lost or gained by those teams, and the Canucks are mathematically out of the playoff chase. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life. On Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Get your thoughts in to our t- Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. It is Satyar Shah with Jamie Dodd, and uh, we are going to bring in Corey Hirsch into the discussion in just a moment. But, you know, this loss... It does kind of put the Canucks in a really difficult spot, and it's pretty much where we thought they would end up after what happened the other night in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, we already kind of saw the writing on the wall after the dropped point to Ottawa and then losing two points in Minnesota, but now you just look at it. So they have 87 points with three games remaining, so of course the most they can get is 93. Dallas and Nashville in the wildcard spots are already sitting on 93 points. That means those teams, all they need to do is pick up one point, Vancouver only needs to drop one point for the mathematical elimination to be official. And as you said, they can't catch L.A. anymore. So it doesn't even matter what L.A. does. That's done because L.A. already has 94 points. So that's over. Even theoretically, it would only be Nashville or Dallas. And like I said, one point for either of those two teams or a drop point by the Canucks. And it's over. Yeah, and the only reason, I mean, Nashville, they can't catch anyways. It's done. Um, Right. But uh, the only reason they're not mathematically out is because the Canucks have the advantage in regulation wins over Dallas right now. So that's why they're not mathematically done right now. But for all intents and purposes, they're essentially there. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into the text inbox. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650 or one 888 Let's welcome in Corey Hirsch into the discussion after a tough 6 Three loss for the Canucks in Calgary against the Flames. What did you make of how this one started and finished, Hershey? Uh, inevitable. That's probably the word I will use because it was. Um, the Canucks, you know, they just had no gas left. There was, there was nothing left. That's four and six. And you could tell how tired they were. You could tell how tired Patterson was, Besser was, all those guys. And Hershey, to your point, you know, they looked out of gas. They weren't able to put very much pressure on Calgary at all. It seemed like Calgary didn't even really have to get out of second or third gear for much of that game. 
No, they they really didn't, and that's just the way it is at home. Uh, you know, Cox played a, a tough game against Minnesota. You know, and after the Minnesota game, you're they're just dis, you're disheartened. You you know that you're not going to make the playoffs. That was yeah. the one that was you know really really hurt. And so to come into this one, you do the best you can. But then once you get down two nothing, and then it just becomes more and more. Uh, it, it, that you know it's happening and it's discouraging and it's hard to play a game. Um, they still gave it everything they had against the Flames. They were 2-2 uh, at one point, which was incredible to crawl back. And then after that, they, just no gas left, none. And uh, I give this team a lot of credit, though, because, yes, they're, I mean, they're not officially eliminated now, but from where they started to be three games left and still not mathematically eliminated – that's pretty damn impressive, and we should give a credit, a lot of credit to the organization and the players for getting back in the fight. Now, as far as this game is concerned, too, um, just kind of breaking it down as well. I mean, Connor Garland certainly uh, did not play like a player who uh, maybe thought the season was over. I mean, I thought he had one heck of a game tonight. He really did. Um, you know, there was a a spot there where he didn't score and he wasn't getting the points, but he was playing well and he was playing hard, and then. He's finally getting rewarded for his hard work here at the end. I, I think it helps him playing with Miller because of the speed. I think he needs to play with very fast players, and I think that JT Miller and, and him on the same line makes a big difference for Garland. He's just a fast player, so if he's playing with slower players, you're kind of waiting all the time. You're waiting and waiting and waiting for them to catch up, and that doesn't mean the other guys aren't fast. He's just extra fast, and I think JT Miller is a guy that can keep up with him. Uh, I know they lost 6-3, and we, we don't want to just talk about all the things they did well tonight, Hershey, but I do have to say that Pedersen goal towards the end, wrist shot, it didn't look like Ladar was screened, you know, just it wasn't a cross-crease pass or anything like that. Just for Pedersen to beat the goalie from that distance out with a wrist shot like that, that was pretty impressive, huh? Oh, yeah, he ripped it. And that's the uh, – um... <laughs> That's the shot that he has. But you can almost see how exhausted he was and, and how discouraged as he stepped over the blue line. He rips it, he scores, and it was kind of like, oh, great. <laughs> you know, we're we're 5-3, to three and but you could tell. They, they pulled the goalie with five minutes to go, and those guys were just double-shifting, double-shifting, double-shifting. Um, and uh, But still very impressive. And for him to get another goal down the stretch here, he's just getting better and better, which is really cool to see. Uh, you know, before we let you go, Hershey, uh, Thatcher Demko overall, I mean, incredible season uh, tonight. I mean, are we seeing fatigue? Are we just seeing, you know, just late season wear or whatever? Because I, I thought tonight, again, he made a number of great saves, but it seemed in the third he kind of lost center of his net a little bit. What did you make of the way he played and how he's been playing down the stretch? You know, there's some things that are going through my head with Demko, and he hasn't been very good as of late, but... I don't know this, and, and I don't know this for sure. Again, I'm not in a locker room. I haven't talked to anybody. This is opinion. I think something's nagging with him. I, I think there's something there. Uh, just because I can see he's not moving quite as quickly. Um, and I also think that the whole weird thing with Martin getting called up and Halak starting and Demko still backing up and then, you know, in the back-to-backs, like there was something off there that I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just an illness. Maybe, you know, there's something. Again, anybody listening, this is just my opinion. I don't have any insider information. I'm just showing you what I see. Um, doesn't matter. I've seen goalies play 60 games in a season and still dominate at the end of the year. And Thatcher Demko, I mean, fatigue, everyone's going to go this and that. Yes, he's had a lot of scoring chances, but 
it, it's not really that. It's more um, he could still you can still dominate at the end of the year. I've seen guys play sixty games and then go win a Stanley Cup, right? So uh, they, we shouldn't read into too much about a goalie playing too much. Uh, it's to me, it's not. It's a it's a moot point. No, I mean, I hear you, Hershey, and we appreciate your time, and we look forward to chatting with you coming up next week. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. All right. That is Corey Hirsch, color analyst for the Canucks after a 6-3 loss in Calgary against the Flames. We're waiting uh, head coach Bruce Boudreau to come to the podium coming up in, in a few minutes. And keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text them box, 650-650. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. It is Satsier Shaw with Jamie Dodd. And uh, a lot of people texting in, a lot of different thoughts coming in. Uh, Jake says, is there more of a need to trade Myers now, if at if at all possible, and that's kind of going back to the own goal score, scored by Myers. That was tonight. a tough one. It was the fifth goal of the game. I mean, the Canucks were, you know, still it was still you know they're still down by one at that point, down by a couple at that point. But that goes in. That really kind of becomes a bit of a dagger, and essentially it goes down to block a shot. And you probably could argue you can let Demko see it. He'll make the save on it. And then when he goes to get up, he essentially knees the puck into his own goal through Thatcher Demko's pads. And next thing you know, it goes in. It's maybe the clumsiest own goal I've seen off a blocked shot. And there's been a lot of criticism for Myers after. I mean, and I think overall he's had a fine season, but he had a tough game against yes. Minnesota. Tough game tonight. At least that's a tough sequence for him. So the recent showings from Myers haven't really been confidence instilling. It's been a little bit. Back to the version of Myers we saw last year, right, with with the Canucks, uh, erasing some of the really good things he's done with OEL this year. And look, we talked about it in the pregame set. They are going to have to find a way to get, at, at the very least, they're going to have to get better on the back end and more efficient. And obviously, when you're talking about trying to move salary away from your defense... You don't think you're going to be able to do that with OEL, and the next contract you look at is Meyer. So I'm sure it'll at least be a discussion or, or a consideration for the front office to see if there's interest in Tyler Myers around the league. And it's not because he's a terrible player. He's played very well for them, by and large, this season. It's just because, again, at that salary, and you need to create space, and you need to do something to improve your defense, he's kind of the logical candidate to look at. Yeah, no question about that. And, you know, we'll see ultimately what happens with him in, in this offseason because you know, there, there are a lot of moves this team has to make, and we'll definitely dig into all this as the show goes on here and uh, throughout the next little while. Ryan texts in and says, please, somebody tell Myers he's not a goalie. He's a 50 man worth 3 million tops and causes more goals against his own team than anything. Great Canucks win late. A run way too late, though, just hurt us in the draft. Typical Canucks. It's just a sad day in Mudville. So, Ryan, <laughs> v- very sad. But, I mean, the thing is, the Canucks were not bad enough this year to get no, a top five pick. that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. And, you know, they're like, hey, blowing your draft position. They're always going to be a team in that 90 point range somewhere in that range so the draft thing to me I don't know it, it, it was going to be what it was going to be they were never going to be bad enough for that to happen and as far as you know Myers let's also be fair about Tyler Myers this season people talk about he's always on the ice for more goals against than four well you know who has the best plus minus on this Canucks team this year it is Tyler, Tyler Myers, Myers. I, and listen I think plus minus is a flawed stat but just for the talk coming out that he's on the ice for more bad than good well, at even strength, it's kind of it's been more yeah, good than bad. It's generally. not as if he's been hemorrhaging goals no. against this year. The but last bad, couple yeah. games, yes, but for the whole season, no. Yeah, 
No, no doubt. Uh, a lot of texts coming in. Edler has a go-ahead goal for uh, the LA Kings, and yes, I mean it doesn't matter. What it, the Kings that one's do. irrelevant, it's anyways. Done. Yeah, the Kings have ninety-four points. Canucks can max out a ninety-three. It's it's over. There's nothing else that can happen as far as catching the 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 Kings go. Stryden says at this point, more than anything, I just want to see JT get to a hundred points. Well, he might get to 100 points, up to 90, what, 94 now on the yep. season. And Elias Pettersson is up to 32 goals. He has 66 points on the season, which is, ties his career high as well. So after a tough start, it looks like Pettersson's going to lead the team in goals and might even hit 70 points as well. So I think a lot of fans are kind of looking at the pure numbers now after tonight's game with the playoffs being, you know, essentially mm-hmm. done. I mean, mathematically, not quite, but just about. You know they're looking at what what the, what can some players do to pad those stats. And another thing we should point out is Quinn Hughes picked up an assist on that Elias Pettersson goal late in the third period. So he so ties Doug Lidster. He ties Doug Lidster for the uh, franchise record for points by a defenseman in a season with three games left. You would certainly bet on him to take that record and make it his own. Yeah, no, uh, I mean I, I would bet. I would hope. That would be the case. It would be very surprising if it wasn't. Uh, yeah, and we'll see what happens. Now, three games remaining for the Canucks. Next one coming up on uh, against the Seattle Kraken on Tuesday. Uh, Mike says losing Horvat is a killer. I mean, losing him at that point of the season was. But, I mean, let's, let's be real. Look, we'll talk more about this, but here's head coach Bruce Boudreau. Well, I'm disappointed, you know. What are you going to do? I've been... Uh around long enough I'm you know it's been a it's been a hard push and we didn't get where we wanted to go so disappointed a lot of pride in that push though yeah I mean we we pushed from December 5th till now and uh, I expect us um, for the next three games to keep pushing again but I mean we know that you know our ultimate goal is probably not going to be reached reached what was your thought on the game tonight what maybe didn't work for you I didn't think we had a lot of emotion going in. There. I mean, the first period was pretty dull on both sides. And uh, once they got, you know, we came out the same way in the second period. If we had to come out a little bit harder, um, we didn't start applying any pressure until they had us two goals down. And uh, uh, I thought in between periods, I said, listen, if you go, guys, take it to them. I mean, it's not like a, a faucet. You can't turn it on and off whenever you want. Then, and I didn't think they were involved in the game too much until, uh, but they did what they had to do to win. Well, sure played more than uh, 35. That was his number of games last year, 63 now. Do you think this, the workload is more He, he might be tiring. You know, I mean, I think there's, uh, but I mean, he's been so good for us. And when you're desperate, you get, you know, you, you have to gamble. And when you gamble, you, you have to play your best at all times. So, I mean, that's uh, – uh, but, I mean, you have to ask him. Um, I felt comfortable every time I put him in the net. So uh, – uh, and he's he's a great goalie that's going to only get better. I know it means nobody – nothing to anybody, including Quinn Hughes tonight, but I'm going to ask you anyways. You know, he broke Dennis Kern's franchise record for assists by defenseman in the season. He tied Doug Lidster's all-time record for points. Just indicative of – what a special player he is. He's a special player, but he's going to break that record five times from now, you know, five different times every year. He's probably going to, he's going to get better and he's going to keep breaking it. So I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something that he'll say, yeah, that's okay. That's cool. But he knows he's going to do a lot better in the future. 
We'll go to Zoom with a question from Rob Simpson, Vancouver Hockey Now. Gabby, you've seen a lot of this over the years, so probably no surprise that there were emotional highs and lows in this game. And I think you kind of just referred to my question. Um, you know, they, they kind of got down uh, at times and then somehow managed to battle back late, but it just wasn't enough. I mean, you, you knew what situation you were in. Yeah, I mean, when we tied it up, I thought, okay, let's get through the next five minutes. And then uh, even if it was a game where you take it to overtime, we don't care if they get an extra point or not, but they score on the next shift and that sort of, uh, you know, let go for the next four or five minutes after that. I mean, it it was like just a a real big, like uh, a sock in the head type thing. So, I mean, uh, um, that was, that was difficult, but I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's, and not to make excuses, but it, it is difficult you know, um, to get up and emotionally up for every game. It's what make the what makes the playoffs special because you can do it for short periods of time, but uh, we've had to do it every single game. And uh, uh, sometimes it, it works and sometimes, you know, you get the inconsistencies, And uh, but it'll make them better for next year for sure. I mean, uh, they'll know the consistency that they have to go from day one to day 82. And one guy that uh, obviously – Guys now are showing things for down the road. Uh, Connor Garland seemed to bring in in pretty much an incredible effort from the start to finish in this game. I told him before the game, I said, uh, I said, the last 15 games, you've been the guy that's brought the energy to our team every night. And for a smaller guy and to complete, continue to do that in, in, in with bigger guys. And I thought he was the catalyst again tonight. And uh, uh, that's the, you know, that going forward uh, shows you how valuable he's going to be next year. Thank you, Coach, and thank you all for joining us. That is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux after a 6-3 Canucks loss in Calgary against the Flames. Keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. As the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on, presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Kintech can help. Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations or online at kintec.net. It is at our shot with Jamie Dodd and more coming up in the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now, more of the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks post game show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Luke Shen from inside his own zone, turned it over at center to Lindholm, ahead for Dubé, close play, might have been offside, Dubé down the right wing with a backhander, he scores! Dylan Dubé scores his second of the night and 16th of the season, that'll make it 4-2 Calgary! Disappointed, you know, what are you going to do? I've been uh, around long enough, I'm, you know, it's been a, it's been a hard push and we didn't get where we wanted to go, so disappointed. A lot of pride in that first goal. Yeah, I mean we we pushed from December fifth till now, and uh, I expect us um, for the next three games to keep pushing again. But I mean, we know that you know our ultimate goal is probably not going to be reached. reached. That is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux conceding that their ultimate goal is not going to be reached. 
and that is making the postseason. The Canucks are not officially eliminated, but all but eliminated at this stage, with Dallas only needing a single point before the Canucks are completely out of this playoff race. Who they, you know, they made a push, but they come up short at the in the very end. You can get, get your phone calls in 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. Satyar Shah, Jamie Dodd on the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. And before we go to the phone boards, what's happening on the text inbox? Well, a lot of people kind of getting their uh, their parting thoughts in for the season set. <laughs> Bernie from Cologne. It's not done yet. I know. I say, we have three games to go. Sorry, right. Bernie from Cologne says, see you next year, boys. Good job by you all season. And thanks. Bernie, we got three games left. Plus, then our shows keep going, and you can subscribe to the podcasts. You don't have to say see you next season, man. We're, we're still here, Bernie. We're, we're here for you. We three more games. And uh, <laughs> a lot of questions coming in about Thatcher Demko and Spencer Martin. Jake texts in, do we see Spencer Martin for the last few games, or does Demko still play another? Another one unsigned says, I would start Martin the rest of the games. Demko is tired, unless you're on a back-to-back. And they have three more games left. The last two are part of a back-to-back. So I would, it's basically a guarantee that Spencer Martin will get one of those games. I would be a little surprised if they give him two, unless something is really ailing Thatcher Demko and he needs that rest. But uh, because of those those games are back-to-back to finish the season against Edmonton and L.A., or L.A. and Edmonton, I should say, I would think Spencer Martin gets one of those games. Yeah, I would think so, too. I think at this point, uh, you would you should expect to see Spencer Martin get into a game. Yeah. Um, and now it comes down to Halak as well. And what Boudreaux said earlier today was it doesn't look good for Halak, but ultimately we'll see at this stage there's no point of playing Thatcher Demko in every single game. No, you don't have to push him. Right? No, I mean, hey, I would even, wouldn't even even be against Spencer Martin starting two of the on, next three even. Yeah. You know, I, as long as Demko gets the last home game against if, the Kings. If Demko is dealing with something, right, and you, yeah, get Spencer Martin in there against Seattle, give Demko the last home game against the Kings, and then Spencer Martin on the road to finish things off in Edmonton. I'd yeah. have no problem with you that. You call the season that way. Give him a bit of a break. Yeah. Let him play before the home fans and jersey off the backs and all that sort of stuff. You salute and say good, good night for the season, and then you move on yeah so uh that's the way i would play it but we'll see ultimately what the what the canucks decide to do another unsigned text here says would you call up rathbone who has been more than a point per game in the ahl and there was a long stretch of the season sat where i think the expectation was and certainly my expectation was that when the canucks if and when the canucks were kind of out of it rathbone would come up and play more nhl games with the vancouver canucks but at this point with so few games remaining and the fact that the Abbotsford Canucks are gearing up for a playoff push and they're on fire right now and Rathbone's such a big part of what they're doing I'm not sure you have to kind of force the issue it's not as if Jack Rathbone's never played in the NHL before right like he yeah. play, he started the season with the team he he's seen NHL action before so at this point I would be tempted just to let him get in a rhythm with Abbotsford they're going to go to the playoffs they want to do some damage there keep him there and say you know what you'll get your chance next fall you know am, am I against him coming up and playing during the week maybe because I mean here, here's the thing you have three games during the week and with the way the AHL season kind of gets set up, I mean, you could call him up and give him a taste, give him a game or two. But at this stage, a game or two doesn't doesn't really change no. much, you know. But he's already played a few games. But we'll see if they ultimately bring him up. I could see them doing so, but it may have to be in an emergency situation. But considering how many guys are a bit banged up, I don't think it's very hard to put uh, 
Tyler Myers in the press box for a game or two because he's no. clear, clearly dealing with something. Like he he sat out today and Boudreau called in maintenance, so it wouldn't be difficult to to figure out a yeah. emergency situation at this time of year out. with yeah. NHL defensemen. You can find something to justify sitting them out. Yeah, no question. All right, let's go to the phone board six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty or toll free one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty. Let's go to Nigel in Langley. Hey, lad, how you doing tonight? Oh, not so lively. Yeah. <laughs> not so lively, lads. Um, yeah, it was, uh, a real downers watching the Canucks the last two games. Uh, we needed, uh, Demko to steal, uh, those, uh, these last two games. I mean, it was attainable. Uh, we scored six goals, but, uh, the problem was he gives up 10 goals out of 62 shots. And, uh, that is very undemko like, you know, so, uh, I agree with you guys. Demko just hasn't been himself, uh, at least over the last couple of games. But, um, I just wanted to give you guys one of the major factors as to why the Canucks are not going to the playoffs. So I'm going to shoot some numbers here at you regarding right. the Canucks one loss records against the bottom 11 teams. Okay? okay. So that's the teams that are 74 points or less, which is way below the Canucks. So against San Jose, Seattle, Arizona, Montreal, and three of those teams are the absolute worst teams in the NHL. We were 11 and 0. And I get it. We could have lost a couple of those games. Some of them went into overtime. But here's the reason why the Canucks are not going to the playoffs. Against the other seven teams, that's Detroit, Buffalo, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Chicago, Anaheim, and Ottawa, we won six out of 16 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, so there was, there, there's 32 points there. So if the Canucks had been able to, you know, especially beat Detroit and Buffalo, who we were 0 4 against, you know, those points would have made a huge difference. So, um, mark my word, we're going to make the playoffs next year. We're not going to be having to recover from such a horrendous start. And, um, you know, so I think, I think we can be excited for next year with the, with the Canucks. So that's it for me. Later, lads. Hey, thanks for the phone call. That is Nigel and Langley calling in. And, I mean, he does nail as far as their performances against those teams. And you can point to that Detroit um, Buffalo back, to, you know, sequence on home nights in that seven-game homestand. The Canucks got one out of a possible four points in those two games. Yeah, you know, and then you go back to earlier in the season and everything that happened, and a lot of that stuff for the first twenty-five games, it falls on a number of things. It falls on the coach who's no longer here. It falls on the manager who no, who's no longer here because of the overall culture in the organization and all the malaise that was happening and all the issues that were going on behind the scenes. And it falls on the players not wanting it enough earlier this season, and that's where they cost themselves. You can also go and find you know moments like the seven-game homestand, a loss here, a loss there against teams, and some starts they didn't have that weren't good. And sure, but those things happen over a long season. No team's perfect. This team is flawed. It ultimately comes down to the first 25 games of the season when they had six victories. Yeah. And, you know, they're probably going to finish with something like the 11th or 12th best points percentage after in the NHL after Bruce Boudreau took over. So, obviously, they played at a legitimate playoff rate once Boudreau took over. And, yes, you can point to missed opportunities, and it was very frustrating dropping those games against Detroit and Buffalo, Ottawa most recently. But if they had even just been kind of 500 to to start the season in those first 25 games, 
you're probably talking about a playoff berth right now. Oh, oh, absolutely. You absolutely are. Now, if you're 500 earlier, you maybe don't make the switch sure. on the coach sure. and all those sort of things. But the point being, that's when the season was sunk. It was the first 25 games of the year. Uh, this one unsigned. Props to the Canucks for making the games mean something. But let's not kid ourselves. This team is not good. Good teams don't go AWOL for the first period or lose most of the puck battles or take three minutes to get up ice. Can't wait to see Rutherford and Alvine change the team this summer. Wholesale changes or I be disappointed so we will see changes and there will be lots of changes I think but I don't think it's wholesale as in you're getting rid of like three or four core players there'll be a lot of moves the team's going to be very active they're not going to be happy with what's happened this year and as good as this team's been down the stretch and how hard they worked I don't believe this organization is going to be fooled by that and say you know what we're just going to run everything back they understand they have to make a lot of changes here. Well, as, as or at you, least some changes. We were talking about it on the pregame show, right? And I know you guys had the discussion on Canuck Central yesterday, Sat, that, okay, just try to put them in what, what tier are they in in the NHL? And I think kind of the best case you can make is they're in tier three, right? Yeah. So to get to the ultimate goal, you have to kind of climb at least two rungs of the ladder. And there's a lot of teams that are in that kind of tier three mix. There's a lot of teams trying to do that. So... Even if you even if you think that this team is really what they've shown under Bruce Boudreau, again, that's going to be, what, 11th, something like that in, in the NHL? And so you still need to find a way to yeah. significantly improve to get to be that truly elite team. And you're not going to be able to do that, bringing back the entirely, entire same cast. Because it's not as if you have a whole bunch of blue-chip prospects coming to really give you a push with internal improvement, right? You need to find a way to bring in more talent to the organization. Well, and that's kind of you know Jake's question. What guys do we think the Canucks call up next season? And what is the Canucks' trajectory in the draft, best player or need? I mean, uh, it's going to be BPA. For the yeah. Canucks, that's how they're going to approach the draft, uh, I believe, more than anything else. Um, but as far as from Abby next season, it's essentially Rathbone. Lockwood's already here, and mm-hmm. we'll see next year whether he makes the team out of camp or not, but he's definitely in consideration for it with how he's played in Vancouver down the stretch here. But that's essentially it. I mean, maybe Mikey DiPietro battles Spencer Martin and whomever else they might bring in for a backup job, but there isn't anybody else there right now that you look at outside of Rathbone to say, okay, next year this guy's going to play. And that's part of they have to add more to their prospect pool and to have players that in a year or two can come out of that system and and not only just play a few games but become parts of the team long term. Anybody else that challenge for a spot who's on, uh, not Utica, Abbotsford right now would be a major surprise. And not only would it be a surprise, it would be challenging for kind of a fringe roster spot, right? Maybe yeah. 13th forward, 7th defenseman, something like that. Not a guy who's going to come in and move the needle for you, right? If, if you're hoping for somebody from Abbotsford to come in and really make an impact, the really the only hope is Jack Rathbone. And that's yeah. not going to be easy. He's not going to be guaranteed minutes or, or a chance to have that kind of impact next year. He's going to have to earn that. Yeah, I mean, he's going to – and I don't think they're going to be – Penciling him in. No, they'll bring other people in. They'll people that fight. He'll be a, get a, get a chance to you know fight for a job in training camp. But the days of penciling in young players that those are those days are essentially done. They're going to wait for guys to force their hand. Well, That's kind of going to be the new mo. And they the track record of Jim Rutherford in Pittsburgh was we have no problem keeping guys down in the AHL for a little bit to make sure they're absolutely one hundred percent NHL ready. And Jack Rathbone, he'll have every chance to make the team, but. 
look what happened this year, right? He started with the NHL, but then, you know, yeah. they said, okay, no, you're, you belong in the AHL for this season. That wouldn't shock me at all. If it, at least to start the year, that's what happens again next season. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, let's keep going on the phone board. 604-280-0650 or toll free one 275 650 Let's go to Terrace where Aiden is on the line. Aiden, how you doing, buddy? What do you have for us tonight? Oh, hey boys. Um, so, I feel like this game was um, the game where they needed to win to make the playoffs. But, like, you know, they had a run. It was amazing watching the Canucks have such a good run to make the playoffs. And it was so entertaining to watch. And even though they didn't make the playoffs, I feel like if they keep Bruce Bergeron and they keep the way they played from when Bruce Bergeron walked into the stadium as head coach next year, they're going to do so well. And if they have, like, the start of a season and they keep that momentum going for next season, it's going to be a really fun fun season to watch. And they're, I, I think, for my personality, that they're going to go far in the playoffs next year and it's going to be sweet to watch so even though that they didn't get it in there's a lot of people that are probably upset that they didn't get in since the run they had you don't focus on that negative energy you just focus about the positive energy in the near future and even though that that happens you know you look forward to next season so that's all i have and uh yeah Hey, thanks for the phone call. That's Aiden calling in from Terrace. And, you know, Boudreaux coming back is something that would put this, and we talked about this a bit during the intermission, but even if you take a slight step back with your roster, with some moves that you make, if you bring Boudreaux back and you build on what he's trying to create as far as their program and their identity and how they're playing, and you saw hints of it down the stretch here with all the injuries the team had, and still they were able to be competitive in games and win games, and they still overcame a lot of those things. Now, you can't overcome a lack of talent overall too much over 82 games, but what it does show is that if you finally play a certain way and Mm -hmm. become something as a team, you can overcome some players missing you can still be in the discussion to be a playoff team and as we mentioned I see the Canucks being a couple tiers away from the top tier but in that in that tier they're in which is kind of that 12 to 16 sure. range or something like that in the league that can fluctuate year to year oh absolutely and if you get some internal improvements you keep Boudreaux even if you'd say trade a top six guy and take a slight step back you might still make the playoffs next year you're not a contender but you're not that far off where you're at now well, no. but you give yourself more ceiling and room to get better two or three years yeah. down the road ultimately you're trying to win a cup you're not just trying to make the playoffs and that's what you have to set yourself up for but you look at the low end playoff teams in the western conference right nashville dallas la it's not as if there's this massive gulf or disparity between the Canucks this year and those teams this year, right? Yeah, those teams are going to finish in the playoffs. The Canucks aren't because of their dreadful start. But you don't look at those teams and say, oh, man, the Canucks could never compete with those guys, right? And to your point about Boudreaux and just his ability to get the most out of a team, look at what he was able to get out of Lamico, Highmore, and Tyler Mott when he was here. But even to an extent, Will Lockwood, since he got a chance to play with Lamico and Highmore, you know, none of those are exactly high pedigree, like dynamic players that you expect to do a lot, but he had them playing really, really effective hockey because they fit his system. And again, if 
if Patrick Alvin can identify more players like that that are again aren't necessarily exciting, aren't going to you know cost uh, an arm and a leg, but can really come in and and fit with the identity they're trying to build you can potentially move on from some of the higher-end players while still remaining competitive. And I wanted to read this one as well from Jimmy and Colonna, who says, with a normal offseason and full training camp, PD gets 100-plus next season. And that's a big part of it too, right? If if it doesn't take half a season to get the real version of Elias Pettersson, that's going to do wonders for your playoff chances as well next year. Well, and if he can be a star maker, you bring in somebody else and you get more out of him because he's playing with with Pedersen, then that could offset the loss yep. of one of your top six forwards at least a little bit. And then you get some other internal, internal improvements. You're not that far off where you're at now. And Keith makes a good point too. says, you have to think the core will be excited for a fresh season with Boudreaux as coach. Far cry from this year. And... You know, heading into the year, there will be some more optimism, Un- undoubtedly with Bruce Boudreaux if he's back behind the bench as the head coach of the Canucks, which I would expect he would be at this rate. Uh, let's continue on the phone board. Let's go to Tristan in Vancouver who's calling in. Tristan, uh, thanks for calling in tonight. Uh, what do you have for us here tonight, buddy? Good evening, folks. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you, bud. Perfect. Uh, anyway, I set on my message. I'm a huge fan, as always. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about the game. I wasn't able to watch it, but I listened to it. Uh, so I just I heard tons of times that Calgary didn't get the calls that the Canucks were looking for, and I think that's one of the reasons we lost. And also, I wanted to touch on goaltending a tiny, tiny bit because that's important because we all know Demko's coming back. So, of course, Martin, but I just wanted to know, what if Martin isn't what we all think he is? Uh, does Halak still have a chance with us at all? Like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, take good care and all the best. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for the phone call. That's Tristan calling in. I mean, uh, as far as Halak with this organization next year, I, th- I don't, I don't see no, that. No, I right. don't see that. Now, I, I do think, I, I do think, though, Tristan makes a good point. And we spoke to Patrick Alvin after he signed Spencer Martin. And one of the questions we asked him was, okay, what are you looking to do with your are, – are you set with your Goldie situation now for next season, whether it's Utica – I mean, sorry, Utica, Abbotsford or here? And he said, um, maybe not, and we're going to have competition. I wouldn't be surprised, Jamie, if they bring in another veteran on a cheap contract, mm-hmm. a guy uh, who maybe struggled before or whatever or has some level of experience, who's been a bit of a tweener or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign another veteran co- goalie to a contract this offseason to come in and fight with Spencer Martin, to fight with DiPietro and Silas, to give your organization a bit more cover as well. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised at all that we see another goalie in the fold this offseason for depth. Especially because the Spencer Martin contract, it can be fully buried in the AHL, yes. right? So if, if a veteran does come in and beat him out for the job, it's not as if you're stuck with this cap hit uh, that you can't get out from. You can bury it in Abbotsford, and that's no problem. And if you're able to sign a veteran to a similar deal, right, that can also be buried in AH, in the AHL, okay, maybe you end up, it's a one-way deal and you're paying them an NHL salary down there, but that's probably worth it to make sure you have that uh, that guarantee because Spencer Martin, for as impressive as he's been this year, it's not a long track record of this yeah. level of performance. So that contract, I think it was a great move. There's upside, but there's risk. Let's not lose sight of that too. There's a lot of risk there. Well, 
There is risk because he hasn't done it long term. What mitigates that risk to some degree is your level of confidence in how he's grown under Ian yes. Clark, but more so under Zach uh, or Curtis, Curtis Sanford, who's been the goalie coach in Abbotsford, who he's also credited with a lot of the success he's had so far this year, that the institution goalie-wise can get more out of him or even DiPietro or somebody else that comes up. And even if they bring in another guy, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in somebody else who's kind of like Spencer Martin, a guy who's yeah. kind of like him and just see what happens maybe he doesn't work out he ends up playing the echl but what if he does work out and he's better than those other guys or what if martin doesn't work out and that guy is a credible backup option for you you want to have layers of depth throughout your organization and as good as the goalie situation looks like on paper you're right and to tristan's point there isn't a lot of track record outside of demko in the nhl yet for you to feel comfortable with that so as much as there is a promising future still potentially for guys like dipietro and perhaps Silovs. Whether they play in the NHL next season still remains a question. Mark. And you really want to insulate yourself as much as possible from having to play Thatcher Demko almost 65 games again, yeah. right? Like, whether it's Spencer Martin, whether it's another veteran, you need to find somebody who can just give you that little bit of breathing room because you don't want to run into this same thing again where you feel like you're taxing Thatcher Demko so much, but you have to start him almost every game because you don't have confidence in your backup. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I did want to get back to a point about the game, too, because I think Connor Garland, the way he played and how Boudreaux reacted to him post-game, is a story worth exploring. And I like like, like this text unsigned. It says, I was at the game tonight and had an amazing view of the Garland goal. Those camera shots didn't do it justice. He has an amazing hand-eye coordination and reaction time to bat that out of midair. Not only that, Boudreaux was very complimentary of Garland and for once didn't talk about his height <laughs> when complimenting him <laughs> well he actually did I think he did mention you know oh you know he's really goes out and sets the energy which is hard to do as a smaller guy I he think did, he did, he did, slip, oh, it did, I, did he slip it in I thought I missed it we might it. have to run the tape oh, back but goodness. I'm pretty sure he got a, mess- a mention in there see it's become so common that <laughs> <laughs> that maybe I don't hear it anymore I just it, but I thought he but still he did mention you know he's going to be important for us next yep. year and all that sort of stuff so the coach was certainly complimentary of Connor Garland and yeah a big question remains around him next year is this a guy that they do keep or explore the trade market for but one thing is becoming clear too here him playing more he's more productive yeah and we went over those numbers on the uh, player spotlight during the pregame show but heading into this game in the past 10 games he has 11 points now he got another point here tonight of course with the goal so now he has 12 points in his last 11 games four goals and he's played 17 minutes and 25 seconds about 17 30 now he's average over this span which is a full minute and a half more than what he's averaged ice time-wise the season before this recent stretch. He's producing when he's playing more. And if this team didn't believe that before, they should feel good about that now. And we always talked about this when we discussed Connor Garland. I like Connor Garland. I want to see him get more of an opportunity. But if you're going to play him like a second-line player or a middle-six guy and not give him ice, extra ice time, you're not going to give him special teams time, is that really worth it for $5 million? But all of a sudden, when you're playing him 17 minutes a game, now it's looking like it's worth it. And the other thing with Connor Garland is he has shown that he can be a complement for some of your best players, right? He's had success playing with JT Miller recently. He's had success playing with Elias Pettersson recently. Earlier in the season, he's had success playing with Bo Horvat. So there's some confidence that no matter which of your... And who knows? We'll see whether JT Miller and Bo Horvat, Bo Horvat are both here next year, but... There's a, you have to have a level of confidence now that no matter which of your kind of big three centers you're going to put him with, 
Garland can find a way to work with their style and still be productive. He's shown it with every single one of those guys this season. He has. And, uh, you know, outside of that stretch, the 20-game stretch where, where he really struggled. And, you know, it wasn't just not getting lucky and maybe not playing more. He was staying on the outside a lot. And I hope there was a lesson there for him, too, and where, what kind of kind of had to adjust for him. Because now that he's been getting the puck to the center of the ice and he's fighting himself around the net a lot more, he's far more productive doing that, too. So it's good to see him get back to that. And an incredible hand-eye coordination on the goal tonight, oh, batting that at a mid What a play, as score. he's almost behind the net, right? Reaching out with his stick at the side of the net, really incredible. And uh, look, he has 47 points, 18 goals, three games left. I mean, he has a shot at, you know, 20 goals and 50 points. And it's pretty hard to look at that from a guy who doesn't play on your first power play and and have much, too much of an issue with it. So uh, for as much as there's been some debate and talk about Connor Garland at different points this year, he's got a chance to finish with a really nice statistical season. He can finish strong. All right, let's keep things going here on the postgame show. Phone boards are open, 604 604- 280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. It is Satyar Shaw with Jamie Dodd. Get your text messages in to our text inbox 650-650. And this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Do your feet hurt? Kintech can help. Talk to a fitting expert today at 11 Lower Mainland locations or online at kintec.net. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Dollar figure. You have to think he's a guy that can help. Myers gets a shot off the right wing, tipped in front. They score Alex Chason at the top of the crease. Connor Garland drove the net as well. It's going to be Garland's goal, and the Canucks tie the game at two before the six-minute mark of the third period. Oh, what's that song, Staying Alive, Brendan? I don't want you singing it, but here we go. We're tied at two. I told him before the game, I said, uh, I said, the last 15 games, you've been the guy that's brought the energy to our team every night. And for a smaller guy, and to complete, continue to do that in, in, in with bigger guys, and I thought he was the catalyst again tonight. And... Uh, uh, that's the, you know, that going forward uh, shows you how valuable he's going to be next year. I stand corrected. I thought Boudreaux didn't mention, you know, Garland being really good despite it being a small player, but still mentioned it. But hey, listen, he mentioned good things about him. I'm, you know, we kind of we, we joke around about this a lot because it just seems like without fail, every time Boudreaux compliments uh, Garland, there's always kind of a for a little guy. Yeah. He snuck it past you that time. <laughs> he, he slid did. it in there. It in. <laughs> totally missed it. Totally missed it. Uh, tough night for the Canucks, however, in Calgary, losing 6-3 against the Flames. But a great game from Connor Garland tonight. He scored a wonderful goal, batting it out of midair when he's just at the goal mouth. And, he, and the, the thing, the underrated part of that goal was, for a little guy, he had to get even lower. <laughs> he had to get super low to bat that one in. So, you know... That's kind of, you know, that was a pretty incredible goal. That's going to be like his nickname. Connor for a little guy, Garland. <laughs> Poor guy, man. Can you just say he had a great game? He's a good player. Uh, keep getting your your thoughts in to our text inbox, 650-650. Dunbar Lumber, as the Canuck Central Post Game Show continues, presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Phone boards are also open, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. 
Uh, a lot of texts coming in. Braden from Winnipeg says, something I'd like to see happen this offseason is adding some toughness into the lineup, more grit. And that's something he feels the team needs to add and needed more of down the stretch. And Derek from Maple Ridge says, I love you guys. However, all your talk about personal stats and personal best this year make me want to punch myself in the face over and over again. I want a freaking Stanley Cup. I'm so sick of this garbage. Doesn't matter who runs the team, who owns the team. The Canucks always suck. That's Derek from Maple Ridge text again. So we were mentioning myself, Satyar Sean, Jamie Dodd a bit earlier that Pedersen now tied a career high in points with 66, 32 goals. Uh, JT Miller might get to 100 points. He's at 95 now, 94? 96 potentially even. Okay, so 96. So he, he had, and I know he had at least one point tonight. Uh, we'll check here in a second. So he's getting close to 100 points. Um, we're, we're looking at 96 points for JT Miller. 96 right points now. for yeah. JT Miller. Quinn Hughes tied Doug Lister with 63 points. He's going to have the record all to himself very soon for most points by a Canuck defenseman. So we were mentioning those things. And Derek from Maple Ridge was not very happy about that. But to his point, I get it. It's not about, you know, when we mention these things, it's not about moral victories. It's about outlining, you know, milestones and what's happening, what they can do, and all these sort of things. And we joke around about stuff every once in a while. But ultimately, he's right. The goal isn't to just be a team that flirts with the playoff spot, that just gets in and perhaps wins a round, maybe wins two, but doesn't have enough to ultimately win the Stanley Cup. And that's what you want to build. And if you have to take a step back for that to happen long term, you got to do it. And I believe that's where the Canucks are headed this offseason, that they're not going to just say, hey, let's run everything back and let's do it again because we're so happy about where we're at. It's like, no, we want more. This, this year, great finish to the season. But I'm going to use a phrase I used a lot in the first 25 games of the season. Not good enough. It's not good enough. For a team that's capped out, for a team that doesn't have a ton of long-term assets to help supplement your winning, it's not good enough to just be a team on the bubble. you got to be better. You have to aspire to be better. In order to be better and aspiring to be better, you have to make some tough decisions. That's not wholesale changes. That's not getting rid of everybody and, and tearing it all down, so to speak. But it means... Making some tough ones, and if you have to take it on a take a slight step back next year, you got to do it in order to put yourself in that position to get better. The goal for this new regime isn't to just sneak into the playoffs; it's to build a Stanley Cup contender, and it has to be sustainable to do that. Yes. right? Because yeah, if you're the eighth seed, can you get lucky and go on a run? Sure, and we, and we've seen low seed teams that didn't do uh, didn't really impress in the regular season make it to you know the conference finals, the Stanley Cup final. But that's often not sustainable. And, and just look at Montreal this year, right? And I know, obviously, there's injuries to Carey Price and Shea Weber's not in the lineup. But that run that they went on to the Stanley Cup final where they got roughed up by the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, it wasn't sustainable. And now they've taken a massive step back. If you're going to maximize your chances at winning a Stanley Cup, you need to be a team that's going to the playoffs year after year after year yeah. after year. Ideally as, you know, a top four seed in your conference. And that's not a guarantee that you're going to break through and win the Stanley Cup. But if you give yourself enough of those opportunities, you've got a much better shot at doing that. But to get to that spot, it can't just be about, oh, we got to sneak in this year. you got to build a real sustainable contender to do that. Well, and that's ultimately is. Um you have to build that sustainability next to it. And you need some cap space. You need some extra assets. And if you can work out some deals this offseason, it gives you some flexibility long-term, gets you players that help you now, but also maybe a couple of assets that can help you in two or three years to supplement your roster when you need it. Because in two years, you got to pay Pedersen more. you got to pay these other guys more. 
you're not going to have a ton of bargains on your contract on, on the books. So what has to happen? Even put Colson yep. in two years when his ELC is done, if he continues this ascension, you got to pay that guy. So who's going to be your cheap players coming up in a couple of years? You got to start finding those guys now. So in two or three years, they can fill those spots when you need them. And that's going to be part of the plan. I see people texting in and asking about guys like Linus Carlson. For sure, bring him in next year. See what he can do. But you need so much more in order for a few in order for a few to hit. You need like four or five more Linus Carlsons, right, yeah. to make sure one or two of them actually hit. And I think he's a really interesting guy to get a look at. I think he probably makes more sense at the AHL level next year. Although I'm sure he'll have a chance in training camp to join the team. But you just need so much. It, that's a volume game, yeah. right? You can't put all of your eggs in the Linus Carlson basket. You need to have a whole bunch of guys like that in the system with similar upside because not all of them are going to hit so you just need so much more quantity in addition to you know obviously you always want quality of prospects as well but you really do need that volume and that quantity coming through yeah absolutely and if you're able to do that then you're going to put yourself in a really advantageous situation i'll come back to you jamie for some text messages but let's go to the phone boards and let's get a call in here we are going to hear from oliver ekman larson plus Ian McIntyre will join us for the final segment of the post-game show here. But let's go to Mission, where our friend Earl is on the line. Earl, uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, I, I know hey, you've always been the biggest fan and hoping for the best. but uh, you know, Well, the positivity. Like, yes, I mean, yeah, it seems could, you like imagine the doom, could you imagine the doom and gloom all the way since November 28th? Believe if, me. If, because hey, that was the last time I think you guys were talking that we were done, and then we carried it all the way hey, through. Hey, listen, so I'm so happy today. they did, because believe me, I don't like talking about the off season for about 60 straight games. So believe yeah. me, I, nobody's so, happier than I am that this Canucks team was in a playoff race until game 79. Yeah, it made it a lot of fun for a lot longer. So I, I ended up going to the game last Tuesday uh, when the overtime win in Las Vegas Took, took my dad, and uh, we got to uh, spend some time with Elliot Friedman again. And then uh, I was there on Monday with my dad uh, watching the game, a uh, big win against Dallas. And then I went there on uh, Tuesday. I was right in front of you, but I ended up talking with uh, with you, Sat. But I, was, I ended up talking with Ian uh, McIntyre just to refresh his memory of, of who I am. I was actually the, the first person to ever ask him for an autograph when he only worked for the Vancouver Sun. And... Uh, I guess. Am I still on the air? Are you guys still there? No, no, I, I am. I'm completely, okay. I'm completely lost at what, at what you're talking about, to be honest. But well, I, I, I saw Ian McIntyre there okay. after the first intermission on, on uh, the the auto, the game against the Ottawa okay, Senators. Okay, I got you. And so I just refreshed him to know who I am because I know right. you guys asked him last year. But anyways, uh, just just as a note, because I've been been taking my dad to the last few games and. We're all set to go to the game next, uh, or this Thursday against LA. But uh, I guess. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call. That is Earl in Mission. I wasn't sure exactly where that was going. Not really sure where that one was going yeah, either. So, <laughs> but yeah, we'll ask. We we'll have to ask Ian about we, that. What he's yes. doing. We'll 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 fact check. Oh to boy. Make sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, do not read that text from Mike. From Mike, no. Yeah, I always know when it's signed, Mike. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> read it first because because he, he he sucks suckers you in because he'll like the first couple sentences yeah. will be really clean. <laughs> He's like, all right, so you got to make sure you proofread. And yeah. I've read a couple texts without proofreading. So. Oh yeah, it can go wrong. You get reading a blind text, you're rolling the dice. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, and uh, however, we will always read Dan Riccio slander. Tyler says, "Don't worry, Garland. Riccio still looks up to you." 
Gar- Riccio loves him. Poor loves Riccio. Riccio loves Garland. What I know, right? Called go, him go the most figure. exciting player of the year. Hey, the last couple weeks here. Yeah, he's, you know uh, what? Facts he, only. He's been there at least the last <laughs> couple games. What would we do without Riccio? What, what would we talk about? Who would we slander? Who would we rip into oh, without Riccio? You always got to have somebody, right? And Riccio is our guy. Terry Y texts in and says, Highly probable that Arshdeep Baines challenges for roster spot, possibly Hoaglanders, coming out of training camp next season. So Terry is super, super hyped on Arshdeep Baines. I mean, hey, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but one thing, and Alvin's talked about this, and so has Rutherford, they want to be patient with their guys. And they... And I remember asking um, Smeal about this, too, when we, we caught up with him in Abbotsford a couple of weeks ago. Is there such a thing as a guy spending too much time in AHL? And he said, no, not really. And if anything, guys haven't spent enough time there, and it's been yeah. made too easy for them. So, And again, hey, maybe somebody comes in and, and challenges and all that sort of stuff. But I, what I do believe is they want to be really patient with those guys, especially guys who haven't played, you know, high-level pro hockey before. Like, they'll give him some time. Maybe he comes in and plays some games next year, but I just highly doubt that you're going to see a lot of guys who are, like, you know, 20 or 21 or even 19 or whatever coming in and not only making the team but making an impact. I mean, it's going to be a lot. Arshtee Baines is, like, the quintessential guy who you want to get season in the AHL, right? I mean, he's going to be playing his first professional season of hockey next year. And, you know, that quote from Smeal, I think, is a really interesting one. It's one thing if you have a really high-end prospect, like an Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes, they don't need to go to the AHL. And we all know that, right? But the vast majority of other young players, you're not going to hurt them by having them spend a little bit of time in the AHL. And I bet the organization wishes that maybe Niels Hoaglander had played a year in the AHL at this point. The only reason Hoaglander made the team is because the Canucks literally had no other options. For a top six spot. They did not have any other options. And he played well. He showed up in training camp. He outplayed all the other options. And it's like, what are we supposed to do? I mean, we're trying to win yeah. games. He gives us our best chance and to win. He was already, remember, he was already in kind of midseason shape, right? Yeah. Because he had been playing in the season in his season in Europe. So he came in, had a leg up in training camp. And as you say, like, who was he beating out? There weren't a lot of exciting options for that spot. And the Canucks that year, too, it was more advantageous to have him play with the big team than sending him to Utica with everything going on and all the restrictions and issues. And, you know, there was, there was a lot going on there. But the point being, would Hoaglander have benefited from maybe spending half a season in the AHL before playing in the NHL? To work on yeah. some of those details that we talk about? And, and it, listen, those things can be cliche, but it's very clear. Are you supporting the puck the proper way? Are you are you understanding our system? Do you take the right lane in a, in a puck pursuit? Do you know how to seal? On, do you know how to rotate? Do you know how to play the walls and seal off? Do you know when not to cheat? Do you understand what we're trying to accomplish? Those sort of things do matter greatly to coaches, and it's very hard to figure those things out in the NHL if you haven't figured it out already. So that's kind of where I see with Hoaglander. If he would have spent even thirty games in AHL, I don't think he would have been going through as many issues his second season as he has been. And. Is there any doubt that if the Canucks had a, a an equivalent prospect to Niels Hoaglander right now that he would be going to the AHL for his first North American season? I don't th- and nobody's quite that ready yet. Yeah, they, they don't really have it. I mean, the closest is Danila Klimovich, who's already playing in, in the AHL, right? But it just seems with this regime and the way they're talking now that if they had a guy like Niels Hoaglander, I don't think there's any doubt that they would, unless he was just absolutely 
you know, bashing the door down, kicking the door down to the NHL level that they would make sure he got some time in the AHL. Yeah, and, and that's kind of how I see it happening as well. Keep the thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll go back to those coming up in a second. Uh, let's continue on the phone boards, and uh, let's go to Juggy and Delta. Juggy, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Uh, first of all, I just actually posted today on Twitter, and I just wanted to um, give thanks to you guys as well. Um you know, it's uh, been a year since I started performing the anthems uh, at the Canucks game. Yeah, man. Uh, so it was April 24th, which was last year. And, you know, you guys have been so supportive, um, you know, at 650 and, and just the media in general. Um, so, you know, big, big love to you guys. And, and thank you so much for that. That that honestly means so much to me. You got um, the golden voice, Juggy, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that so much, man. And, and. You know, I just wanted to say, um, you know, it's so Canucks to have Adam Gaudet score the shootout winner, <laughs> and then have Chris, T- yeah. and then have Chris Tanev get three assists tonight. Like, it wasn't even Toffoli tonight, right? It was, right. It was the Can Man who was uh, who was doing all the the uh, point scoring, but um, it was kind of interesting. And and I guess that might uh, he might be getting close to a career high in points. Like, I think he's almost close to thirty points uh, this season. Uh, is Chris Tanev and uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for for him, and uh, I think he's found uh, he's found a great role there. But you know, just just getting back to the Canucks, um, I think this whole season, you know, obviously uh, it wasn't a good start. And like you said before, like you didn't want to be talking about you know the off season for sixty right. odd games. And you know, I, I'm I'm proud of the boys. You know, they they really tried, they really battled hard to get to this point. Um, you know, last time I called and I talked about Bo Horvat and he really stepped up in a big way. It's a shame he got injured the way he did. Um, you know, in terms of um, next season, yeah. Do you do you see? And and I know this will be a lot of off season talk, but do you see any teams uh, around the NHL where they're you can look at them and go, maybe they're overlooking that sort of player that the Canucks could take a bet on next season. You know, because what I what I see is, you know, they, they've they've got to move out somebody, right? They go out. Yeah. Uh, they'll probably have to move out one of the big three, uh, in Miller, Besser, Horvat, or or not Horvat. Pardon me. I think I think they probably keep Horvat, um, or Garland or something like that. But uh, they they need more play drivers, right? Yes. So if you if you kind of look at uh, that sort of thing, do you see any sort of bets that they can take, uh, or do you do you like any players around the league that can you know, come in and and be one of those bets. Uh, you know, besides a Kuzmenko from from Europe, or, right? Yeah, or yeah. Something like that. I got you. Hey, Juggy, I appreciate the phone call. Keep up the great work. We can't wait to hear you again and see you at the rink, uh, singing the anthem and, and doing the great work that you do. Um, as far as who would you go after around the National Hockey League, I, I think this is a fascinating question, and I think this is something that absolutely you're going to see this organization go after guys that haven't been quite getting a chance mm-hmm. somewhere else that they do. Um, target and to some degree that was Travis Dermott in the the trade that they made yeah oh no doubt about it and I think they're going to target players like that and also players who might be cap casualties elsewhere right and I know you know 
Uh, Dan Riccio on Twitter was speculating about Dylan Dubé, right? Because Calgary has so much business to take care of in the offseason. And the thing about that is you have to clear up salary cap space first, and then you can potentially, you know, go in and kind of take advantage of teams that are in cap crunches, contending teams that are in cap crunches and really need to free up space. So that's one of the one of the reasons why there's so much urgency to get that salary cap flexibility is it opens up so many other avenues for you to improve your team. But yeah, guys like Dermot who are maybe just stuck behind a lot of other talent in their current situation and not getting the opportunity. And I think guys who might just be calorie, uh, salary cap uh, casualties on their teams as well are, are two places where the Canucks are going to look at a lot. Yeah, and, and I know, uh, you know, oftentimes people get frustrated because, you know, people talk about Maple Leafs, guys, and all that sort of stuff. But one guy with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and people talk about Timothy Liljegren on the back end. I think he's interesting too. But even a guy like Pierre Engvall, you know, he's got size, he skates well, he's 25 years old, isn't getting that opportunity really in Toronto, but he's still a guy that had 32 points this year, 14 goals. You're playing with Pedersen, for instance, with his with his size and his frame and his versatility, guy's 25. Guys like that, for instance, yep. you know what I mean? Like, the team's going to have a hard time holding on to those types of players. They get squeezed a little bit. Those are the types of guys that they may be in line for a massive jump if you hit on the right guy. They go from being a 14-goal guy to 25-goal guy. I mean, that's what what the Florida Panthers hit on the past couple of years. And, again, if you're if you're confident – again, we've seen this with Patterson, right? That you can put pretty much anybody with him, and he's going to find a way to produce, and he's going to find a way to get them involved too, right? So can you take bets on – somebody who's playing on the third line for a really good team, elevate them, put them with Elias Pettersson, and still get really good production from that spot. And the other thing with that is if that player's value then skyrockets because they're racking up all these points next to Elias Pettersson, it opens up trade opportunities too for you if you want to explore that. If you you take a cheap bet on a player in the offseason, put him with Elias Pettersson, and then you're not quite there at the deadline, you trade that player for a really good asset – that's great. That's, That's a okay. great bit of business. At least you get something out of it. Yeah. And with the way Patterson is playing, if you find the right line mate and put him with him and he explodes, that's a that's a place you can get some extra value out of. Yep. Uh, a lot of reaction coming into a text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit on some more on the other side. Marty the Red says, want to be glass full type, half full type, but seeing positivity and losing out on the playoffs in the last couple of games of the season is nothing to hang our hats on. Lots of work still needed. We've been here before, and I sincerely don't want to be here again. Time to build a contender this city deserves and hasn't had for a long time. That is Marty the Red. Others echoing to similar sentiments, yet a lot of people saying they're proud of how the team played mm-hmm. down the stretch, and we'll delve into more of your reaction more of your text messages we'll try to get into the phone boards Ian McIntyre will join us plus we're going to play back some audio from Canucks players including Oliver Ekman Larson as the Canucks Central Post Game Show continues presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics keeping you active on your feet for life on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network You're listening to the Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in B.C. Only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Quinn Hughes goes back to center. Left wing for Pedersen. Into the Calgary zone. Hard shot. He scores. Elias Pedersen goes bar down on Dan Vladar. Six on five goal for the Canucks. And it's 5-3 to three with 2.25 left in the third. Oh, this is a bullet. Pedersen just steps over the blue line. This probably shouldn't go in, but it is a great shot. You could hear it cling bar down. 
Elias Pedersen with a snipe. Too little, too late, however, tonight. Canucks lose 6-3 in Calgary against the Flames. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, keeping you active on your feet for life on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Jamie Dodd. Get your text into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, phone boards are also open, 604-280-0650. Now, before we hit the phone boards and play some Oliver ekman Larson audio here, Jamie, what's popping on the text inbox? Oh, man, it is absolutely popping off. Uh, Benton in Kamloops texts in, Being a Canucks fan is such a tease. I used to laugh at my dad as a kid when he, do- when he joked, Just one before I die. Now in my mid-30s, I really am starting to worry. Bring on the offseason. I do have high hopes for this management team to make the right changes. I am all for patience, but I'm not getting any younger. I mean, Benton, you're only in your mid-30s, right? We don't, <laughs> we don't have to start worrying about one before you die just yet yeah, here, yeah, Benton. Time. But you I get time. it. I get it. And I, I understand the, you know, hey, listen, I'm not getting any younger. I think what most fans just want to see is that, the team is building towards something, right? So, like, even yeah. if it's going to take two or three years, as long as you feel the direction is right and there's a, you know, the, the management team knows what they're doing and has a plan and is able to execute it, I think fans are willing to be relatively patient here. N- not to see a full-on tank or teardown, which you're not going to see anyways, but, yeah, a step back and then two or three years down the road, I think people will accept that if the right plan is in place. Well, you were saying off-air, and I, and I, th- I thought you nailed, nailed it, if this team comes in next season and is in, in, in the exact same position as right now, and let's say just makes the playoffs... Yeah. There's so much more optimism about where what that means as opposed to this year. And it's like, oh, even if they make the playoffs, still some tough decisions yeah. to come up. Like, what do you do with Bo? What do you do with JT? You're not going to have that next offseason. So well, then you're going to head yeah. into it and say, okay, no matter what happens, even if you slightly get or slightly miss, you're excited about, okay, now we're going to add to this group next year. We're not looking to take away from this group. We're trying to add to this group. Because let's say this year had gone completely differently to start the season and, you know, Jim Benning, Travis Green's still here and the team finds a way to squeak into the playoffs. Look, obviously it's still the playoffs. People would be really excited, but I think there would also be this feeling of this is the ceiling, right? Like this is what this management group is building towards and it's an eighth seed or a seventh seed and a first round exit and that's really frustrating. But if the team next year is a seventh or eighth seed, it's going to be seen correctly as the start of something, right? The start of building towards yeah. the future. And I think people will really get on board and get excited about that. Uh, let's go to the phone boards after a Canucks loss in Calgary, 6-3, all but eliminating them from playoff contention. The only reason they're not mathematically eliminated is because they currently hold more regulation wins than Dallas, although Dallas has 93 points and the Canucks max set at 93. So... It's only a matter of time before they're officially eliminated at this stage. Let's go to the phone boards before we play some player audio and get to Ian McIntyre. And we start off in Coquitlam with Caleb, who's on the line. Caleb, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, first off, I say love listening to your show, and uh, thanks for taking my call. So uh, looking ahead to this offseason, I remember Alvin mentioning he wanted to get younger and faster. Mm-hmm. And there's two players I have in mind that I think, because you guys mentioned earlier, uh, teams have cap problems and everything, right? Yeah. So, first guy is uh, Ilya Mikheyev from Toronto. You know, mm. he's a, I've seen a lot of highlights, and I've watched a couple of Leafs games this year, and I yeah. think he could be a perfect fit for Vancouver. I mean, he's a very speedy, he's like, really aggressive on the forecheck, mm. he's like excellent on the penalty kill. And I think he's offensive upside, he's like 19 goals this year. 
And Toronto likely won't resign on this offseason. They have cap problems. Yeah. And uh, my other, the other guy I want to talk about is uh, Nick Raw from Vegas. Yeah. He's a uh, center, mm-hmm. and he's really versatile. He can play center and the wing, and he's really good size. I think you guys said earlier, like the Canucks need to get bigger, stronger. Yeah. And uh, Vegas, uh, same similar to Toronto, they probably won't be able to resign him. But the thing is, he's an I think he's an RFA, RFA this offseason. Yes. They'll have to offer sheet him. So I'm not sure if Alvin or Rutherford are willing to give up picks to acquire a guy. But So those are just two guys uh, that I have in mind, and I'll just sit back and listen to your thoughts. Thanks. Hey, hey, Caleb, thanks for the phone call. Those are two very well thought out. Yes. Uh, uh, good call, right there. Good call. I, I like that. And Mikheyev is UFA, and the only question there becomes how much do you pay? And, well, you know, and he's coming off nineteen goals, twenty goal season by the time, and not big assist numbers. But does somebody give him a bit more somewhere else? It comes into a bidding war as a UFA, yeah. despite the fact he's not in that upper tier, of course. But I do like the suggestion of he's a guy that would fit stylistically. I really like Mikheyev as a player. I think yeah. he's a very, very valuable player. I just suspect he kind of prices himself out of what the Canucks want to spend this offseason for a player like that. He probably makes more sense for as kind of a, okay, we're trying to put, we're a contending team trying to bolster ourselves for a run. Like him a lot as a player, and I understand why the caller is interested in him, but I just think he probably gets too pricey for the Canucks this summer. Yeah, that, that's ultimately what could end up happening. Nicholas Roy, it's a good point. Uh, you can offer sheet him, and you can offer sheet him, however. The Canucks have shown they're willing to trade a third-round pick. Well, as I'll, long as you add more picks. If you do an offer sheet less than $2.1 million, Yeah. I will also say rounder. you don't necessarily have to offer sheet him because you can just try to trade for him, right? Yeah. And then sign him to a new deal. So Vegas, we talk, talk about teams that are going to be in a, a nightmarish cap situation. Like That's Vegas. They're going to yeah. have to do some really impressive cap gymnastics. And I, you know, on the one hand... If they could find a way to get Waugh signed to a cheap deal, that would be great for them. But it, could he become a, a salary cap casualty if he's in line for a big raise? Potentially, right? They have so, no cap space next year. They have zero they cap have space. They have zero cap space. And they have how many players signed? 17. So they got to trade guys just to fill out their roster. Yeah. So they, they ain't re-signing anybody until yeah, they They, they got to make serious, serious moves. It's it's the kind of thing that, at the very least, it's it's worth calling about, right? Exactly. Checking in. What are your plans? What would it take? All that kind of thing. you got to do your due diligence on a player no, like precisely. that. Precisely. But that's a good phone call by Caleb. I like the suggestions. Let's get one more call, and let's go to Matthew in Toronto. Up late. Wanted to talk about the Canucks after a 6-3 loss in Calgary. Thanks for calling in, Matthew. Uh, what you got for us tonight? Gentlemen, you're correct. It is pretty late over here, <laughs> but I just wanted to say, I'll start with saying thanks for the last 79 nights until 3 in the morning. Listen to you. Love it. <laughs> Um, so I have a question about what you would do to maximize Oliver Ekman Larson's potential next year. Mm-hmm. If Jack Rathbone comes up, that's your all your left side or your yeah. puck moving defensemen essentially. Would Dermot be a fit beside him, do you think, on the right side? Oh hey Matt, uh thanks for the phone call and, and good question on Dermot. Dermot can play the right side. And again, yes. you know, you know, we, we talked about this during intermission oh, during, during a pregame show briefly about uh, Hughes and Dermot who played together a little bit recently. That's really worked because of how well Dermot's been able to kind of cover with his skating. I don't love his hockey instincts and defensive awareness, but he's really good at recovering. He's mm-hmm. really good at taking angles and he's really good at taking away space. So when he sees Caution. He's good at getting to those spots. So he he makes up for his lack of processing to some degree with just how well he skates and moves. And when you want to have a free defenseman, that's the type of 
attributes that you those are the types of attributes you want from a new age stay at home defenseman with an offensively inclined defenseman would i be okay with trying that with, with oel i would i wonder um if you want to use him in a matchup role a lot too yeah Dermot being on his offside on the left side and asking him to be the stay-at-home guy a lot is a little complicated. With Hughes, it can still work. But I'm all for trying those sort of things to see if, you know, is is that a fit potentially internally? Because to the point, right now, that Matthew makes, you have Rathbone as a prospect. He's a left hand. Mm-hmm. You have Hughes and you have OEL. If those are going to be your three lefties, you got to focus on your right side being that defensive conscience and one of the nice things about Dermot is he has the versatility not just to play on both sides but to potentially play up and down the lineup and you were talking about the reasons why he could be a good fit for Quinn Hughes well a lot of that would apply to him potentially being a fit with Jack Rathbone as well right if Jack Rathbone shows enough in training camp in the preseason to earn a spot on the team it doesn't have to be at the expense of Travis Dermot in the lineup they could potentially be a really interesting third pairing actually for the Canucks because uh, of all the skills that you're talking about from Dermot. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, in a few years when he loses some of that athleticism and quickness, I wonder if Dermot can play that role. But in the short term, I'm, I'm down with exploring it to see if he can do it at the very least. Uh, we'll see. I'm not sure you see that the rest of this season, but maybe you'll see Dermot with OEL if the rest of uh, Myers rested away because he seems banged up, of course. All right. We are going to get to Ian McIntyre, who's going to join us in a few minutes' time. But before we do that, we mentioned we would play some player audio for you after after a 6-3 loss in Calgary for the Vancouver Canucks. And here is Oliver Ekman-Larsen talking about how disappointing it is knowing the playoffs are just about done. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Um, I didn't think we came out the way we wanted. Um, obviously, it came back and um, kind of played better and, and uh, started doing the right things. And they scored right after we scored that second goal and... and Stuff. Uh, nothing's mathematical at this point, and I'm imagining nothing in your approach is going to change until that changes. No, uh, I mean we've been doing this all year, uh, so that's what we're going to keep uh, doing. And, and uh, I mean, there's no quitting in that room. Uh, we've showed it so many times this year, and, and uh, just take one game at a time and see see where it takes us. You mentioned was it something that Calgary did tonight? Was it something that was missing from your guys' game plan? Uh, I mean, first of all, that's a good team that we played against. Uh, been good all year. Uh, we've been playing some good hockey lately, but um, I thought we were uh, uh, couldn't really uh, get it going the four check and, and creating enough chances to uh, in the first period, and they came out a little bit harder in the second. Uh, in some some way we found found a way back and, and uh, made it a hockey game out of it uh, in the third. Uh, so. Um, yeah, I like that that we battled back and and uh, had a chance there in the, in the third. Oliver, um, Thatcher Demko's been so huge for you guys this season. You know what what can you say about you know what he's meant to you and um, you know how how tough the week has been on him just physically. You know, four games in six nights can't be easy for for a goalie. No, he's been unbelievable. Lights out every single game this year for us, and um, I mean. It's so much easier uh, playing in front of him. Uh, you know that he's going to stop that first first shot, and you can kind of play play off him that way. So that makes it easier. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's an all star, and he's going to be a really good good goalie for a long time in this league. 
uh, and just on Quinn, I mean, Quinn gets another goal. You know, that was such a key moment late in the second. Um, you know, what have you seen from him? I mean, you know, obviously we know what the points are about, but what have you seen from him down the stretch here that, you know, tells you what he's going to be like going down for the future? No, I think we all see it. Um, he wants to win every single game and, and uh, he's a difference uh, maker out there uh, with his passes and, and can score and, and do do everything. So um, he's, uh, he's going to be a big part of this organization for a long time and, and uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it and, and try to, to learn and, and help him out at the same time. That is Canucks defenseman Oliver ekman Larson after the Canucks lost 6-3 in Calgary against the Flames and says it's frustrating knowing that this game all but knocks you out of the playoffs, but says, hey, until they're mathematically officially out, they're going to approach it as if they still have a chance. All right, uh, it is time to bring in the real star of the postgame show, the man known as a quadruple threat, Hockey Night in Canada, Canucks regional broadcast on TV, radio, and digital. He is the one and only Ian McIntyre. Hello, Sap. Who's there beside you? Hello, it is Jamie Dodd who's here with me tonight. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Ian. I was I was going to say, Sad had to add uh, travel Calgary travel guide to uh, your list of qualifications, <laughs> as we discovered on the People Show yesterday. Yeah, I have to correct you, although I didn't hear all of uh, the last segment while I was on hold. But they're not officially eliminated no, yet. They're not. So they'll be officially eliminated tomorrow if Vegas beats San Jose. Correct. Yes. And Sorry. I mean, and, and technically, they're not. They can still technically catch the Dallas Stars because they have the regulation win advantage. Even though right. they max it at ninety three, if Dallas loses out, the Canucks win out, they would pass Dallas. But I right, mean, that's very but, unlikely. But for Dallas to lose out, they have a game against Vegas, correct? Which means Vegas would win. Which means if Vegas also wins tomorrow or gets any other any other points and they're going to finish ahead of the Canucks. So that's why, that's why either way, if Vegas wins tomorrow against San Jose, either Vegas or Dallas is eliminating the Canucks on, on Tuesday in that game. Yeah. Well, but you know what, but but you know what, it's, it's amazing though. Like it's very, you know, disappointing that uh, the end has been so flat after, you know, the chase was so exciting and they've kind of just petered out here. And I, I think they are, just kind of tired tired in every sense you know physically and and mentally but i in my wildest dreams didn't think in the first week of december that the last week of april we'd still be paying attention to the results of the canucks games i couldn't uh, it just seemed beyond comprehension that they could play their way from so far out of it to to back into it so that they're in the playoff race to the final week. So it is, it is remarkable what they've done. It's still disappointing. Hopefully it, it will help them next year and they're not in this position again. One of the uh, positives on the season and also tonight, Ian, was Quinn Hughes picking up a couple of points, tying uh, the Canucks franchise record for points in a season by a defenseman. And there's been so much else to talk about and focus on for the Canucks this season that I do feel like Quinn Hughes has flown under the radar at times. But tying the record and and I would bet on him breaking it over the final three games, it it really is uh, an an impressive achievement for him. And I think it highlights just how strong a season he's had for the team as well. Yeah. Well, he's just uh, a special player. And I think a lot of us, 
knew even when he was a rookie that they he's the most talented player on defense uh, that they've ever had. So I'm I'm not surprised uh, uh, in the least. You know, t- tonight with the assist, he also passed Dennis Kearns, which was a record of 55 assists by defensemen. So Quinn Howe has 56, and uh, that record had stood since 1977, and Doug Lidsters had stood since 1987. So I've I've seen because I've written about it a couple of times, and I've talked to Quinn about it as well who, you know, was it last week? Uh, I think it was early last week. He said, yeah, he'd, he hadn't really thought about it, but his dad mentioned it to him. And so he knows their important records, so he, he'll probably think about it more, but his focus was his focus was, was on winning. But, you know, I, I've seen in the mentions uh, when I write things like that that some people scoff at what seems to be a fairly modest points total of 63 by a defenseman and, uh, you know, 55 assists by defenseman. But the fact that those records have stood for 35 and 45 years respectively. And in fact, if you, if you go back and just look at the last 10 years in the national hockey league, in the last 10 years, only 11 defensemen, have had 65 points or more in any season. And we're seeing, you know, some historic, uh, especially by modern standards, by by non-Paul Coffey standards, <laughs> some historic campaigns this year by by Yossi and, and Makar. But the fact of the matter is this this is rare. Eleven guys in ten in ten years have had more than 65 points, a uh, defenseman, more than 65 points in a season. So Quinn Hughes is all already in pretty rare company. And I also loved what Boudreau said after the game that, you know, that he'll think it's kind of cool now, but he's going to break that record five times because he's just going to keep getting better and scoring more. And if that's, if that's the case, that would, that would be pretty fantastic for fans of the Canucks to, to see a guy like that just push this, push the bar higher every year. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I'm so with Boudreau on that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he crests 70 points. Would he be out of the realm of possibility that he gets to 80 points? I mean, we're seeing guys like McCarr and Yossi, like you mentioned, do those sort of things. Would it surprise you that we see Quinn Hughes be a point-per-game player in a season at some point? No, I, I think as, as long as he stays healthy and he seems to be blessed with that instinct to uh, avoid heavy contact, and it's not that not because he's you know diving out of the way or or surrendering the puck to opponents rather than take a hit but he just has has that survival sense coupled with the fact that he is one of the most agile he, he's not the best skater in the NHL there's lots of guys who are faster lots of guys who are are probably more fluid but he's one of the most agile and elusive skaters and he's fast as well there are a few guys faster, but he's fast as well. But it's it's that elusiveness and the agility that he has, and it makes him so so effective at always finding. It seems no matter how much pressure he's under, finding a lane to outlet the puck, and it makes him so effective in the offensive zone in creating space for himself and and setting up scoring chances. And uh, I think if he stays healthy, absolutely, he could be uh, 80-plus point defenseman for this team. 
Uh, Ian, Connor Garland had another standout performance for the Canucks in a losing effort, and he's been impressive uh, for quite a while now. And, and I think in his post-game availability, Boudreaux said basically the last 15 games or so, it's been Garland really leading the charge in terms of energy for the Canucks. And th- it's that's especially impressive because it came on the heels of, of a long-scoring drought where it really seemed like Garland's uh, confidence was waning. Ha- has Garland overall this season really shown that you know he can be a, a valuable contributor for this team on his current deal in the top six yeah I mean, I mean i think even with his slumps and his inconsistencies i think he's been fair value i don't think he's been a bargain at five million but i think he's been fair value for what he's given the team and he does seem to have found something in april here that's allowed him to elevate his intensity when we've seen uh, a lot of others uh, just look like they're they're kind of worn out from the chase. And, I, and I, I'm not suggesting for a second that Garland somehow was saving his energy or wasn't trying hard before that. But he, we've seen him play at another level here. And th- that level's not because he's scoring points. That level is because he's so engaged and he's on the puck all the time. I also think... Uh, an important aspect of it, of his effectiveness offensively lately, is that uh, he's, I know it sounds silly, but he's simplified his game a little bit. Uh, Boudreaux made reference in one of his availabilities recently that Garland, instead of making six turns with the puck, he makes one and then dishes it off. I think he's become a little bit easier to play with and a little more, a better compliment mm-hmm. to his line mates because he he is you know he's still on the puck and he has to have the puck to be effective like this isn't a guy that you know give it to someone and go to the net you know that's not going to be his his secret to success as an NHLer he needs to have the puck but he needs to move it uh, at the right time, and he's he's doing that more and more now. Whereas earlier on, he was hanging onto it, and maybe that's a sign of confidence. Some guys, when when they're not, they don't want to shoot. Hunter Garland is more playmaker than he is finisher. Maybe when, and I'm just spitballing here, but maybe when he's not confident, he tends to overhandle the puck and not to make a play, not 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 make a pass because I'm confident that maybe the puck's going to get where he wants it to go. Whatever it is, he's playing his best hockey at at this stage of the season when the team has really needed it. Uh, I think it raises interesting questions about his role in the future because I think some people uh, have thought that he would be the guy that maybe they're trying to trade to create some cap flexibility, and maybe, maybe he still will be. This is a guy... If I'm not mistaken, old, and has had to work for a little bit that he's gotten so far as a professional player. Like nothing has been given to him, and so he's earned more every year and every year. I know he got a big contract for every game for the Canucks, but he's still at the stage where he. 
you're just breaking up there with Ian McIntyre, just the phone line kind of losing him. But on, on Connor Garland there, just as we get to the end of the show here anyways, we're going to have to wrap it up. But um, on Connor Garland... We'll see what happens with him at the end of the season here, but it was telling Boudreaux said he'll, you know, he's going to be mm-hmm. important for us next year. But in many ways, his future really hinges on what happens with JT Miller and what happens with um, Bo Horvat, two guys that have to get contracts, not to mention Brock Besser. So that's kind of what it hinges on. A lot of decisions to be made this offseason, but it really comes down to, you know, JT Miller still, and then what happens there, and then that kind of has a domino effect the rest of the way. But the way Garland's finishing this season should show the organization that they, should, they can have confidence in him being a producer. And he's only 26. We're not talking about a guy who's older. He's locked in for four more years at a decent number. As long mm-hmm. as you use him and see him as a t- higher-end guy, then he can be a fit here. He's definitely not a player where you look at it and think, oh, man, we got to find figure out a way to move this guy, right? Oh, yeah. we, we can't win with his salary on the books playing that role. No, it's not that at all. If somebody makes you an amazing offer and you think it can help the team, it's something you can explore. But in terms of feeling pressure to go out and move him, unless a lot of other dominoes fall in a specific way, I don't think you're in that position. Maybe it's a name you have conversations about with other teams, but there's no pressure or no kind of, oh man, we we have to move this guy. You can feel pretty confident uh, bringing him back that he's going to produce for you next year. Yeah, and especially with the even strike numbers, you've been harping on that all year, and he's been showing it the last 11 games, 12 points, 4 goals, all that even strength, and upping that production. Now with up to 18 goals on the season, and might get close to 50 points by the time it's all set and done. But the Canucks, well... All but eliminated from the NHL playoff contention mathematically, but we'll see what happens. They're leading into Tuesday's game against the Seattle Kraken at home ice at Rogers Arena. Thanks, everybody, listening and participating in the show. We appreciate you very much. Can't wait to chat with you again on Tuesday when the Canucks take on the Kraken. Special thanks to our producer, Eddie Gregory, Fast Eddie Gregory, on the dial- dials, making sure everything's working fantastic, as always. For my co-host, Jamie Dodd, you can listen to him on the Canucks Hour with Thomas Drance, 12-1 to 1 and also on the People Show from 1 to 4 with Bick and Randeep. I'm Satyar Shaw, back at it again on Monday with Dan Riccio on Canuck Central 4 to 7. And thanks for listening to Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by Kintech Footwear and Orthotics on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.